And as our young people are leaving, I would love to just pose a question to you. Can you think of your favourite movie plot twist? What's your favourite movie plot twist? Does we have any brave people to shout them out this morning? Star Wars. Star Wars. Does everyone know that he doesn't actually say, Luke, I am your father? Google it. He says, yes, I am your father. Any other plot twists? Come on. That was a plot twist. Come on, I can list a few. Frozen, two. Did everyone know that Elsa was the fifth spirit? Didn't see that coming. Probably the wrong audience. No young kids out there? Somewhere in time. I've never seen that one. Great plot twist. I think mine might be, and again, this may be a little bit of um, irreverent way to start the service, but the sixth sense. Has anyone seen that one? Someone ruined that plot twist for me about 45 seconds before it happened. Leant over and whispered, Bruce Willis has been dead the whole time. That's bad. What does that have to do with Anointing Sunday, you might ask? Well, I'm going to walk you through some scripture this morning that I believe points to one of the greatest plot twists of all time. And there's a word that'll be on the screen behind me. It's a Hebrew word. And it says Meshach. Can we all say Meshach? I got it wrong. Meshach is better. Meshach. You've got to get that at the end. It's a safe place in church. You can hock up some mucus if you like. Meshach. That's your first clue. Meshach. Does it remind you of any words? You might just sit there pondering. What does Meshach mean? Meshach literally means to anoint with oil or to smear with oil, to wipe with oil, to put oil on something. And it was used right throughout the Old Testament in Hebrew literature uh, for even some mundane things. I'm sporting a new beard that I'm giving a go. That's my 2023 uh, resolution. I've got a few thumbs up. Thank you. I've had more positive feedback on the beard than any other moment in my life. It's good. Good. Thank you so much. But you might say, I meshach my beard with beard oil every morning. Because upon me researching how to grow a good beard, that's an essential part, to anoint your beard with oil. But it also had far more gravity throughout the Old Testament when uh, particularly kings were chosen to be anointed over Israel and people were called out and they were masacht, they were anointed for a specific purpose. The priests were anointed, the tabernacle, even objects were anointed. That's what masach means. But as we know, and I believe those of us who journeyed with us through the scripture last year, we saw that Israel didn't always have the best time when it comes to uh, kings. Some kings walked in the ways of the Lord and the land prospered, and some kings did evil, even though they had that anointing on them, the Masach on them, they still chose to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Now let's have a look at some scriptures actually would be helpful. Some examples of that, as I mentioned, uh, the Levites, the priests in Leviticus 8.12, and he poured some of the anointing oil, that would have been Masach there, anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him. Why? To consecrate him. That word just means to set aside, to set apart for a specific purpose. 1 Samuel 16, 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, Masach him, in the midst of his brothers and the spirit of the Lord, listen to this, the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day. It's an important principle that throughout the Old Testament, we saw the spirit of the Lord come upon people for a moment and then withdrew. I think of some of the judges that The Spirit of the Lord came upon them and they killed entire armies with the jawbone of a donkey. But then the Spirit of the Lord withdrew. 
And like I said, we saw a tumultuous history of positive and negative experiences with these anointed people throughout Israel's journey and wilderness and exile and tragedy and loss and darkness and despair. And eventually, there was always these whispers and rumours of another word connected to Masach, which is Messiah. Starts to sound a little bit more common. That's your second clue, Messiah. And what did Messiah mean? There were these rumours and whispers of one day there would be the anointed one, not just an anointed one, the anointed one who would come and save Israel from its exile and its darkness. But then there was whispers. One day will he come? Is he over there? Is that the Messiah, the Messiah? Is that the anointed one? Is he over there? Is he come now? Is now the time in history that the Messiah would come and deliver Israel? Eventually the situation got darker and darker and then there was an absence of prophecy or words We know that there was around 400 years of silence between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. Darkness, chaos. If you were a a Jew, a member of the nation of Israel, it would have been a horrific time. We know through some of the teachings uh, of that intertestamental period that the Greek Empire came to its fore and took over the tabernacle, this sacred, consecrated, anointed place set aside for the worship of God. And instead, pigs were being killed and offered on the altar, which was just an absolute heresy. Eventually, the Roman Empire came through. And we know that that was horrific, tragic for the Jewish people. And so these rumours, these words, these cries of desperation, where is the Messiah? Where is the anointed one? Would have been spread throughout the community. And that might be you here this morning. You might be new to church. You might be thinking, wow, this is a little bit out of my comfort zone to even walk through the doors or even to type a URL live.church.nu and be watching a church service, participating in a church service. You might be wondering, I need a Messiah. I need a saviour. My world is a darkness and chaos and void. I want you to imagine for a moment that you grew up in a little village in Israel called Nazareth. You've been there your whole life. It's not a huge community, so most people know each other. And imagine, because you're a devout follower of God, you go regularly to the temple to listen to the speakers. And a man comes along. He's around 33 years of age. He's a carpenter. He grew up in Nazareth. Maybe you know him. Certainly people in the room know that's Joseph's son, the carpenter. And you're sitting in the temple listening And this man stands to his feet, he walks to the scrolls, he flicks through the Old Testament prophecies and he finds Isaiah 61. He pulls it out and he begins to read. He says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed Meshach me, the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, 
He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Your ears prick up and you think, Messiah, anointed. Messiah. The hairs on the back of your neck stand up as you wonder, where's he going with this? Who is this man? Every eye is on him as he sits down and then he says it. The plot twist, the grand reveal, the moment we've all been waiting for. Jesus says this sentence, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Can you think for a moment the gravity of that moment? Jesus has unveiled the fact in front of a room full of people. It's one of the first things he did in his ministry in Luke chapter 4. With every eye on him, he reads that scroll of the messianic prophecy, the Messiah, the anointed one that will deliver Israel. He lists the ways that the Messiah will deliver the nation of Israel. And then he says, today is the day that it's fulfilled. Profound moment in history, yeah? But I want you to think for a moment about those four categories that Jesus proclaimed he was anointed. He said, I'm, I'm anointed to preach good tidings to the poor. I don't know about you, but the interest rate rises are beginning to get a little bit scary. <laughs> and I'm doing fine. Our household is doing fine, but I think about the Gold Coast. And it's probably very likely people in the room are beginning to suffer financially. Are you poor? Are you feeling the weight of finance on your shoulders? Or are you poor in your soul today? Are you weary? Are you tired? Maybe the last few years have finally caught up with you and you're feeling poor in your soul. Or are you poor in your spirit? Are you wandering online? Are you just searching endlessly for the truth? You want to know the maker, the creator of the universe. You want to know that you were born for something greater than your life. You're poor in spirit and you're desperate for a saviour. Jesus says, I'm anointed to preach good tidings to the poor. But he goes on and says, he's also sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Maybe you put on a brave face when you came to church today, but your heart is broken. Maybe you're wounded. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe there's a a breakdown in your marriage. Maybe you're just lonely. Are you brokenhearted today? Jesus was sent to heal the brokenhearted, but more than that, he was sent to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Maybe you're wrestling with some temptation. Maybe you've got a problem with addiction. No one else knows and you are bound on the inside of your heart. And Jesus has come to say, I proclaim the opening of the prison to those who are bound. I had this heavy weight on my heart as I prepared this morning that there may even be people in the room who are bound physically. Maybe you're a victim of domestic violence. And I just wanna tell you that I don't ever wanna minimize the hurt and the harm and the cost that that is on our society. And it is my deepest desire that Jesus would meet you in your suffering and proclaim the opening of the prison 
hearts of those who are bound. Jesus is the anointed one. Major reality number one. Jesus made it crystal clear. I am the Messiah. I am the anointed one. In Acts 10, 38, it says this very clearly. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. It's more than just words spoken or a hint or a clue in a tabernacle. Jesus went on to fulfil that prophecy. More than that, though, he gathered a group of people around him and he cast vision and he prayed with them and he lived with them and he shared his anointing with his followers. In Mark 6, 7, it says here that he called unto him the 12 and he began to send them forth two by two. He gave them power over unclean spirits. In verse 12, and they went out and they preached that men should repent and they cast out many devils. And listen, and they anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Jesus' anointing wasn't only for himself. He shared it with those who followed him. Because he was anointed, he was able to share that anointing. But it didn't end with the 12 this fire spread right throughout the early church. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we see Paul writing to encourage and remind a church in Corinth. Verse 19, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. I actually skipped a verse. We're going to jump back one. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. For all the promises of God in Him are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. Now listen to this church. Now He who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed you. Take hold of that this morning. You are anointed because Christ is anointed. He has anointed you. It's God who has also sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. You don't need to wonder this morning, have I done enough? Have I done enough to become like that? That gift is free for all who believe in Jesus. That's all you need to do. And even the gift of faith is that. It's a gift. Put down your striving and you're doing and you're earning. It's so exhausting. And freely receive the gift of Jesus. I want to pause there. Later on this morning, I'm going to give everyone in the room the opportunity to receive Jesus. I want you to remember how you feel in this very moment when you're sitting there saying, I need Jesus. Today's the day. Come to Him. His arms are open. He's got a plan for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. He wants you to be set apart, consecrated, so that you can give Him the glory He deserves. Paul goes on uh, to encourage the Corinthian church, actually Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2. And this is important for the believers in the room. As I said, we don't need to strive for the anointing. The anointing is a gift that comes at salvation. We walk with Jesus and as a result, we are empowered by His Spirit. But here, Peter reminds the early church that when you're walking anointed, when you're living the anointed life, it produces this fruit in us. And let me tell you, this is a long list. 
And I'm going to be the first to say my life does not always look like this list. But I can tell you it gives me a clear idea of the road that I'm walking and the path that I'm traveling. And I tell you what, this list describes me, the man that I want to be. 1 Peter 2 verse 1, Therefore, lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy. You caught me at hypocrisy. (laughs) Envy. I shared with the 8am service today. I was looking at a $37 million house about 14 hours ago. Envy. The anointing calls us higher. I don't need to live like that. All evil speaking. As newborn babes, I think my four-year-old is here in the room this morning. I sometimes think like a four-year-old. I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I throw a tantrum. That was not the amen I was looking for, Michael, my boss. (laughs) I throw a tantrum like a four-year-old. As newborn babies, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. How good is that? That our salvation doesn't leave us in the darkness. But God's got a plan for our life. He wants to consecrate us. He wants to call us higher. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him. Now, this is a description directly of another one of those messianic prophecies that Jesus come to him as to a living stone. He was rejected indeed by men, but he was chosen by God and precious. But now listen, he changes and he speaks to us. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. Remember that reference to the Levitical priesthood? It's for you and me now. The anointing is on us, a holy priesthood. Men and women, the presence of God is upon you to be a priesthood. Why? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Maybe you've wondered, what am I here for? My life has lost its purpose. Can I tell you that? That's it. To offer God the praise he deserves. The anointing allows us to live the way we were meant to live. Verse 9, 1 Peter 2, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This language previously would have been set apart for a few, but now it's open to all. Listen to this language here. His own special people. The time for wandering aimlessly is over. You're a part of something bigger than yourself. God not only anoints you for your own personal worship, but He anoints us into something bigger, into community. And this is so beautiful. Here at New Life Church, you're part of this online as well. You're part of something bigger than yourself. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvellous light, who once were not a people, You once were isolated and estranged, but now you are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Hopefully we can see clearly there that the anointing's chief purpose is to point the glory to God through Jesus Christ. 
We live with one purpose. Remember, first of all, Jesus is the Messiah. And second of all, we are anointed because Jesus is anointed. And we see there very clearly the purpose of the anointing is to bring glory to God through Jesus. But the anointing does more for us as believers. And in a world of turmoil, struggle, mistruths, we need the truth now more than ever. Amen? Against the backdrop of the rise of the Antichrist, the early church was scattered and afraid. And John writes this letter, and I take courage because I see the church all over the world still scattered, still afraid, even in the West, increasingly so, we're unsure of what our future looks like. We need the truth now more than ever, but because of the anointing, John says this to the early church, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. That's you and me today, church. You have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Again, I choose to take that as future tense, but it's something that I desire. I don't yet know all things, but through the anointing, I can know all things. Amen? And we need the truth now more than ever. Why? Paul says this, uh, John says this, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need your anointing now more than ever to discern between truth and lie. Help us to walk in your anointing more than ever now, God. This beautiful quote from the early 1900s from a man named Octavius Winslow says it like this, to be richly anointed with the Spirit is to be led into all truth and to be filled with the Spirit is to be filled with love to God and to man. And that quote there points so beautifully to me, again, that reminder that the anointing is not only for me personally and for my personal revelation, although that's important, the truth is important for me and for my family and for my household, but it's important in the way that the evidence of that is my love for one another, my love for you, particularly this church and this family that I've been called to. And let me tell you, I am more grateful now than ever for this community of faith that God has put me in. Last year was a difficult year for me. And I tell you what it means to be able to take the mask off and cry with people. Share your fears and your anxieties, your past hurts and wounds, your traumas with people. It's essential. And I love as we close with this verse, as the team come to join me on stage today, James 5, 13 to 16. Is anyone among you suffering? Are any of you suffering today? Online, is any of you suffering? Let him pray. It's not always bad news though, praise God. Is anyone among you cheerful? We need you. We need your smiles. We need your deep joy despite the challenges that surround you. Can I just say I'm learning that that tends to come from the wise. I met Keith who oversees our car park team. Keith greets you all with a smile on his face every Sunday. We need Keith. We need Keith's joy, amen? Bruce, the gardener, we need your joy. We need your wisdom. 
as a young man who hasn't yet learned to always be joyful. Teach me, show me. Thank goodness for the community of God. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Is anyone among you sick? Are any of you sick today? Do you have pain in your physical body? I hear that faith. (laughs) May Jesus be with you. The anointing be with you today. I'll tell you what we do. If anyone among you is sick, we call for the elders of the church and we pray for them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. That's exactly what we're about to do. Thank you for your courage. Online, I can't anoint you with oil today. But a reminder is, it's just oil. (laughs) It's a symbol. The Holy Spirit is already with you wherever you are. He dwells within you as you believe in Christ. So you can receive this as much as anyone in the room as we begin to pray. It's just a symbol. But that's what we do. We call for the elders and we pray. And that's what we'll do in just a moment. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. If he has committed sins, he will, be con- he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And that's what we're about to do in a moment on Anointing Sunday. First of all, we point to Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One. We've already sung of the way we need Him in our families, our generations. We've already worshipped Jesus. But it's a reminder, Jesus is the Anointed One. Second of all, you are anointed because Christ is anointed. Because of that, we can stand in faith as a beautiful community today. We can pray those healings over you. We can hear your sins together. We can share our trespasses. We can wrestle with our temptations together. It's a beautiful community of faith.